0: Chapter One of Sex Life of the Gods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sex Life of the Gods by Michael Knurr Chapter One. He awakened to flame and smoke, and it was as though he had been born again. About him lay thick summer cloaked forests and heavy carpets of laurel and brush. Obviously, it was some sort of plane that was burning nearby, and he had probably been in it. In his mind, he remembered only the blinding flash of white light, then a sea of darkness that had enveloped him. Whether he had been thrown clear of the wreck, or whether he had crawled, he didn't know. But the torn flying suit he wore convinced him that he had once been airborne in that battered craft the heavy canvas-like material of the flying suit had protected the blue serge business suit underneath so that besides a ripped pocket it was presentable he grinned wirily in the pre-dawn darkness presentable to whom the squirrels he peeled off the flying suit and added it to the flaming wreckage then staggered off through the night toward the valley below there was usually he recalled water in ravines he used small saplings for handholds while his head thumped and thundered wildly probing fingers found a lump beneath the blood-matted hair that was sensitive to the touch there was a scratch on his cheek sealed with dry blood and his hands were skinned as though he had broken a fall in cinders with them it was he decided amazing that he had survived the plane crash with so little injury but then stranger things had happened There was a run at the bottom of the hill, one of those leaf-choked, meandering little creeks that became stagnant pools in July and August, and raging torrents of brown water in the spring. Lying on a sloping, flat rock, he thrust his face into the stream and drank deeply, feeling the life flow from the water into the weariness of his body. He washed his face in it, splashing it over his head until his mind began to function with familiar clarity. But he still did not know who he was. When he tried to search backward into the past, he could see only the white flash and the darkness. It was frightening. It was as though someone had taken a pair of scissors and cut away the whole memory of his past life. He fumbled through his pockets, found the wallet and the cigarette lighter, and began flipping through the cards with the help of the tiny lighter flame. An identification card labeled him Nicholas Howard Danson, and stated that he lived at 2312 Wiseman Drive, Everett, Pennsylvania. There was also a draft, Social Security, and driver's license card. There were other membership certificates to various clubs and organizations. Finally, there were several pictures of himself and a woman in fact there were a great many pictures of the woman one was a portrait of her inscribed love beth which told him that she was either a girlfriend or his wife nick extinguished the light and put the wallet away in his shirt pocket he found a crumpled pack of cigarettes he shook one out lit it and dragged the smoke deep down into his lungs while he pondered over his newly discovered self Of course, the proper thing to do would be to get to a phone, call the local authorities, and explain the crash. The law would help him get home and check him out. That was the proper thing. But he wasn't about to do the proper thing. He was a stranger to himself. Who was he? What was he? He could well be, outside the law, a criminal. Then what? Turn yourself in, Danson. he grimaced and discovered that you were wanted by the law for something? To hell with that. Get to this Beth woman and get some answers to a few questions before you bring in the law." Apparently no one had seen the crash. No one knew he was here. Perhaps it would be better to leave it like that until he had a chance to find out just what he was up against. He decided not to contact anyone. When it was light enough, He would look for a ride to somewhere. At a gas station he could find out where he was and where Everett, Pennsylvania was. Then by thumbing he could get a ride to where he lived. If this Beth woman was his wife, she could fill him in. There was plenty of time to call the law. Sleep when he tried it refused to come. There were too many unanswered questions rocketing around in his brain. Well, he had to find a road sooner or later so it might as well be now. Perhaps the more distance he put between himself and the wreck, the better it would be for him. He took a final drink of water from the creek and stood up, his sore, battered muscles protesting violently. Then he began to stumble through the adumbral forest to find a road. It was getting light when he found the highway. It was small and narrow. Bedded with pebbly asphalt, with a faded white line down the middle, that told him it was not a first-class road. It stretched ahead of him, dwindling among the thick hemlock forests and dwarfed by the steep, wooded hills. He grinned, wondering vaguely which direction he should travel to get to Everett. Finally he pulled a quarter from his pocket and flipped it into the air. He caught it deftly. Heads, I go to the right, tails, I go to the left. Heads won, and he started off toward the right the stiffness and the weariness dragging at him like a weight tied to his legs while he walked he studied the pictures in his wallet noting happily that it also contained twenty dollars in bills that was comforting in the daylight the picture of beth that had looked pretty in the flame of the lighter became beautiful although it was a black-and-white photo nick decided that her hair was brown it swept about a soft heart-shaped face like a cloud. The image was smiling at him, and he felt that if she was not his wife, he hoped that she was his girl. It was late in the morning when he found the service station. It was a small, lonely, isolated place that sported two pumps and a cramped-looking lube rack. Through the open door of the washroom, Nick could see the shoes and coverall legs of the attendant as they stuck out from under a ford. Nick found a dime in his pocket and treated himself to a cold drink, while he tried to figure out where he was. Across the highway, a marker told him that he was on Route 87. He pulled a Pennsylvania map, not entirely sure he was in Pennsylvania, from the rack inside the door, and unfolding it, found Everett. The Route 87 ran through the town but it was difficult to puzzle out whether he was north or south of the place. He refolded the map and stuffed it into his pocket for further reference, and glanced around. On the far side of the office was a door marked Men. That was just what he wanted. His clothes, his hair, and his face needed a few emergency repairs before he could confront the population of Everett. He went in. In a mirror. With most of the backing peeling away, he discovered that Nick Danson was rather good-looking, if you overlooked the damage. His blocky, rugged face was smeared with dirt and dried blood, with a slight stubble shadowing his lean cheeks. The mop of tangled black hair had a lot of red splotches in it from the blood he'd lost. He filled the bowl with tepid water and began soaping his face and hands vigorously, even though it hurt. After washing most of the blood from his hair, he found the comb in a pocket and whipped some order into the matted, dark mass. The attendant was standing at the counter when Nick came out of the restroom. He was an elderly man, with receding gray hair, a hawk nose, and grizzled features set firmly into a face that looked like a dried apple. He grinned, and the gold cap of an eye-tooth flashed dully. Thought I heard someone in here, he said, around the chew that pouched his cheek. Car break down on you? I'm walking, Nick told him. You're a long way from any kind of town, son. Say, he said suddenly, noticing the scratch marks. You been fighting a bobcat? Nick shook his head and fished for a lie. Got drunk last night and into a brawl. My friends pitched me out of the car in a moment of playfulness. He hoped he had put enough bitterness into the explanation to make it ring true. The old man chuckled softly. Darn shame, son, if I'm around here. New York, Nick lied. I'm staying in Everett. Everett, the old man crackled. Hell, that's fifteen miles south of here or better. He paused, swiveled his bird-like head, and spat a jet of brown juice through the open door. Tell you what, son seein's how you'll have to walk it down there ain't no one goin that way i know of suppose you could thumb it but it'd be hard lonely road you see if you don't mind waiting to after supper i'll run you to town drop you off where you want to go hadn't thought of waiting so long nick told him what would i do just sit here hell no in the back room there's a cot been sleeping there myself sometimes Since my wife passed along, back in 53. December of 53, it was. I'll wake you come supper. Thanks. With the hunger gnawing at his stomach, Nick took a cellophane-wrapped pie from the counter and began eating it. He handed the old man a quarter. Funny, the old man said, ringing up the sale. You don't smell like a drunk. Ought to be some liquor smell to you, son. I was drinking vodka, Nick countered wondering how he had pulled that from a mind that could not remember his past. He took another bite of the pie as the old man gave him his change. Bad stuff, vodka. That's the slop them Russians hassocks drink, ain't it? I think so. Well, it ain't for Andy Hokum. Them hassocks can have it. Nick was saved from further conversation by a new station wagon pulling into the pumps. A young woman dressed in a suit cut the engine and honked the horn briefly andy waved and headed for the door get some shut-eyes son i'll wake you later thanks andy he finished the last of the pie and watched andy stick a hose into the wagon's gas tank then go around front to wipe off the windshield nick cleared the pie wrapper off the small counter and tossed it into a box as he headed for the back room After closing the door, he fell onto the bed, and a moment later into the well of sleep. End of chapter one, recording by Richard Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas.